Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming back to another episode of our Weld.com podcast. Today, I have with me a guest host. I have Dale Spilker, who has been on a previous episode of the podcast. We just aired that last week or the week before. And also, he is an advisor to Weld.com as well. Dale, why don't you go ahead and just briefly reintroduce yourself in case no one has caught that episode yet? Yeah, for sure. Um, as Jeff mentioned, you know, my name's Dale Spilker. I'm from the Eastern Shore of Virginia. Um, I'm currently a welding instructor at TH Badger Technical School. Um, I'm the welding instructor for Accomack County. So I, my particular program is um, comprised of three different high schools. Um, so I see students from all three different from all three schools, I teach welding level one and welding level two. And uh, I would highly suggest go ahead and uh, go back and listen to my episode, check it out, um, and let me know some feedback on it as well. And then we also have with us Brian Treat. He is the acting trade superintendent for the welders and fitters at Newport News Shipbuilding. That's in Newport News, Virginia. We're really excited to have Brian as a guest on the podcast because after speaking with him, there are quite a few opportunities in the shipbuilding industry and directly at Newport News. So I was excited to hear about that. Brian, um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell them about how you got started in the industry first and we'll start there. Yeah, so th thanks for having me on today. Um, as, as introduced, my name is Brian Treat. Um, I started um, my career in welding through a Bowtech school in Chesapeake, Virginia. Um, so my high school actually offered a Bowtech school similar to what Dale Spilker teaches on the Eastern Shore, but this is located in Chesapeake, Virginia. So I started that um, school really off the basis of my stepfather and brother were really heavy in the auto mechanic industry, um, could pretty, pretty much turn a wrench on anything, and that just wasn't my forte. So for me, an opportunity to go weld was not necessarily looked at for a career path for me at that point, but an opportunity for me to do something out in the garage that they weren't able to do. Um, th through that time, obviously, in the school, I learned about the career opportunities and the growth within the welding industry, and that led me down the path of um, pursuing a career in it today. So did you originally see yourself getting into the welding industry or was there something else that you had wanted to do whenever you were like first taking those classes? Yeah, well, I always wanted to be a lawyer, but uh, eventually uh, I realized that that was not an opportunity for me. Uh, school was never a strong point for me. The education just didn't really excite me in that manner to go to that length of school. So uh, outside of, of pursuing a path as a lawyer, this was, this was the next thing on my radar for sure. So after school, what was your first job that you took as a welder? Yeah, so my first job as a welder um, out of school was straight into Newport News apprenticeship. Um, so Newport News Shipyard, they offer a apprenticeship that is a four-year accredited school. Um, through that school, sports are offered. Um, so all ranges of sports from football, basketball, wrestling, baseball, um, and then even female sports as well. So I went straight into there right out of high school. Um, that was something that I applied for while I was still in high school. Um, did the interview process um, and then 
proceed into graduation, I was, you know, I stepped right into that role at the apprentice program, um, going through the four-year school as a welder. Um, so, of course, that started off in welding school to get my qualifications there. Um, and then a big part of what they do with the apprenticeship is they rotate throughout the shipyard. So shipyard um, that, that I'm at, um, it employs about 23,000 people. Um, so pretty, pretty large company. So one of the things they do with the apprentices is they rotate them across the shipyard where you get exposure to um, aircraft carriers um, from the new construction and overhaul side and then submarines as well. Um, so, so I was able to experience that through my apprenticeship. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that they had different areas like that. Whenever I thought about Newport News, I really only thought about the submarine aspect of it. I didn't really think about the aircraft. So what kind of welding do you end up getting certified for? And you, what are you ready for? Like when you complete this apprenticeship program? Yeah, so, so any of our new hires, um, regardless if it's the apprenticeship or just um, coming in as a, a, a regular hourly worker with the, the union um, into the shipyard, they, they receive um, stick, flux core, MIG, um, and then that will include um, burning torch, carbon arc. And then in addition to that, if you show the proficiencies right away, you'll get pulse post arc welding as well. So um, if you don't show the proficiency to get post arc welding right away, that's typically something that we would send a welder back to weld school to get. Um, but that's, and then when I speak on the weld school, that's right there in our facility. But that is, that is an option that you can get right away. Um, th through that, obviously, we, we use a lot of automotive um, with the size of the ships and, and the structure that we're putting together. We use a lot of automatic welding. Um, so early in your career, that, that is an opportunity for you, especially as an apprentice. And then all apprentices that are welders get the opportunity to get pipe walls as well. Um, so typically we, we test in carbon steel, copper nickel, and stainless steel in the 6G position, um, primarily with TIG. Um, so graduating that apprentice school, at minimum, you would have the opportunity to get both the structural side and the pipe side before graduation. So how hard is it to get into this program? So it, it's funny you ask that. Um, there has been numerous articles that speak on the difficulty of getting into the apprentice program um, because it is very sought after, um, a very accredited school to go through. Um, and it's, it's, it's a little bit unorthodox from a normal college or school where you are getting that hands-on experience. Um, and a lot of people, obviously in our industry, um, reach out to this sort of school because they're, they're as Dale spoke and, and I've spoken, that we're just not school people, right? So the four-year college just wasn't necessarily our thing. Um, so this gives you an opportunity to get that education and then the, the hands-on experience as well. Um, so there's articles that I reference, um, they speak that it is actually more difficult to get into the apprentice school than Harvard or Yale. Um, because obviously our, our acceptance rates um, can only be so high with, with the workforce growing and, and the educational piece and making sure that our classes are and remain at a certain size so that we can give full attention to those apprentices so that they can come out um, really ready for a leadership role after their four years. Right. That makes sense. 
So what do you look for in an ideal candidate? Like what can someone do if someone's like a junior right now and if they're interested in like this is what they want to do, what would help their application stand out whenever they apply to the program? Yeah, so if you're going to apply for the apprentice school program, um, I, I would advise you first to get on their website. Um, and, and through the website, there are certain classes that you have to take and you have to have um, completed through your high school or, or even through a college um, accredited course before being um, even considered for the apprentice school. Uh, um, however, outside of that, um, obviously, we've got opportunities as, as welders, you know, outside of the apprentice school as well. Um, where you wouldn't have to do the academic part. And, and through that, you know, we, we look at people that have showed some sort of interest in, in welding, you know, if it's been a Botech school, if it's been some type of hands-on class. Um, and, and we try to bring in people that understand what that industry looks like already. Maybe not from a shipbuilding standpoint, um, but a standpoint of working with your hands. Um, and it doesn't have to be in the industry. Um, but could also be in a classroom setting as well, or a shop classroom setting, um, typical to a regular Botech class that you would attend. So since Some things I'd like to add to that too, if you don't mind me butting in real quick, um, those requirements, those classes, just for anybody that's looking to apply to the school, um, the apprentice school says that you have to have at least four of the following classes, algebra one, algebra two, geometry, advanced math, physics or principles of technology, chemistry, computer science, mechanical drawing, vocational or technical shop. So most kids coming out of uh, high school right now have at least four of these, um, generally speaking. So that doesn't mean that you just have to have those four. You also have to have good grades in those four as well. Um, they're not looking for somebody that has a notorious poor performance in math skills and stuff like that. So. And if you are one of those individuals and you're thinking about applying to the apprentice school, it might be best to go to a local community college to improve those grades for those classes that you had already taken in high school and maybe got a D or C in, such as myself, what I would have done in school. Um, another thing is, and I don't think it was mentioned too in detail, is the apprentice school is a really awesome opportunity because unlike your normal four-year college, um, unlike those, those normal schools that you see on TV playing sports and stuff like that, this particular school pays you while you're in class. So you come out of the program with zero debt and most likely a job that throughout the four years you've been making anywhere between, we'll say at a low end, $45,000 a year, all the way up to possibly over $100,000 a year um, in that particular position. And within the apprentice school, they offer various different growth opportunities. And I'm sure Brian will get to that in a little bit um, as the conversation goes on. I'll turn it back over to y'all. Sorry for butting in. No, that, those are really good points. So since it's a four-year accredited school, do they have a specific degree when they're done? Or is it like considered like how it is like for like a journeyman, like how they rank them? Yeah, so we, we've teamed up with a local community college, um, and then so we utilize their classes um, and internal classes as well. And depending on what course and what, what initiative you go down, you could leave the apprentice school with an associate's degree um, if you utilize all of those opportunities. Okay, and they do stay there? Or even a bachelor's course, degree. Right? Oh, they could have a bachelor's degree. That's interesting. Could, yeah. 
and they have dorms, right? So you stay on, the, you stay at the shipyard during the apprenticeship program? Yeah, you could. It's it's not a requirement. Um, the dorms weren't there when I went through the apprentice school, um, that, but that is something that they offer now. Um, so not something that you have to do. Um, however, anybody coming from out of state or out of the area, it, it seems to be typically a better fit for you and, and those individuals coming from out of town. Okay, so let's talk about the leadership kind of path. So if somebody's going there and they don't necessarily want to be a welder, but they do, they're looking for those leadership type roles. What kind of paths are there for them to take? So, so are you referencing coming in as a welder and what paths you could take after you become a welder to move on to that next level? Yeah, I think both, because once they complete the apprenticeship program, they would be able to do so as well, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So if, if you came in um, as an apprentice, then the, the opportunity and the growth to become a leader at the end of that is really what they drive home. Um, that is the goal. So understanding the growth in the shipyard and, and the need for these leaders and, and the development of that, we utilize the approval heavily to get us there. So, so to answer your question, um, the, 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 the ball is really in their hand to make those efforts um, as an employee with the apprentice school. Um, the resources, the, the skills are going to be taught to those individuals. And then it's just up to them on what they do with it. Um, I, I will share, I went through my apprenticeship and immediately after my apprenticeship, um, I was applied and, and was offered a, a foreman's position um, through that time of, of four years of being a welder. So, so the growth opportunity is extremely high. Um, it was high back then and, and it's even higher now with the growth of the company where and where we're at. Um, and I, and I want to mention too, um, that the apprentice school is an awesome opportunity and, and that's obviously the path that I went. Um, a, a lot of young people coming right out of high school are very interested in that. However, that's, that's not the only option. Um, coming in as a welder, um, taking that structural welder um, position is, is also an opportunity. And even through that, if you got in through a regular welder position, then through that time, you could apply to the apprentice school and transfer over. That is something commonly we see um, in, in our workforce. How, however, it's, it's not needed as well. We, we promote a lot of welders. Um, a lot of welders move on to quality positions, to foreman positions, um, different things like that through just coming in as a regular employee um, and not necessarily going to that apprentice school program. Do you have a good mix of females and males? Like, are there women applying to this program too? This week's featured partner is Lincoln Electric. Their PowerMig 140 MP welder is designed for home projects, repair, sheet metal auto body work, farm, and small shop welding. This multi-process unit is lightweight, portable, connects to the standard 120-volt household outlet, and it's an excellent choice for MIG, DC TIG, stick, and flex cord welding. What we love about the machine is it has two knobs controlling the wire feed speed and voltage and a single button that allows for easy process selection. Right now on our podcast, we have an exclusive promo code for listeners this will get you 15% off the PowerMig 140MP, and it is valid at store.lincolnelectric.com. The code is WELDP. 
pod 15 W E L D P O D 15. Yeah. So, um, so that's actually something that we're growing heavily on. Um, within the last two years, we have increased our workforce of, of just from the welding side from 4% to, excuse me, to 12% um, for the women that we have in the shipyard welding. Um, we, we actually led a, a government-funded NSRP program um, that I was a part of, and it was really to help us understand how we tap into that, um, that women workforce a little bit better, um, understanding that it was an untapped resource and, and we had a high demand at the, at the time and still do um, to, to increase our workforce and we wanted to utilize women and the growth of that to do so. Um, some of the things that we identified was, you know, not proper PPE out there for females. So that is one of the things we've been working on vendors and, and identifying more of is PPE that are, are fitted and more suited for a, a female's body structure than would be normally for a male's body structure. 100%. I'm a part of a lot of female welders groups and probably daily I see stuff like, hey, I'm wearing these pants. They gap so much in the back because, I mean, they're not fit for women, but there are ones. Like I know a couple of different brands that are really focusing on the PPE and the workwear. So, and that was actually, that's interesting that you brought that up and that there was like a, a project around that because somebody recently brought up like, why are women going into the welding industry and then the retention is not good? So there is, they are part of the solution to there being a shortage. If we get more women interested in the industry, then that will help to boost how many welders there are, which is good for the economy and the industry. But why are women coming and leaving, do you think? It can't just be the PPE and the workwear. Do you think there's other things? So, so the NSRP program we did, it wasn't just focused on Newport News Shipyard. It was focused on the industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. um, so what I'm about to speak on is, is not designated to Newport News Shipyard, but the, the welding industry. Um, and, and I believe culturally we are still, we are still changing the industry to make it more suited, um, and, and more accepting to the, the females coming in there, um, and being a part of that workforce. Um, it has been a male dominant, um, industry for so long. Um, there has been women, obviously, uh, I'm not going to disregard that, um, but the volume of the females in the industry has been very, very low. Um, so, so I, I think, I think a lot of the attrition comes from the industry just not being, and I say the industry as in, um, employers just not really being suited and prepared for the females at this point. Um, and I, and I think that was, was a heavily identified in the NSRP. Um, and, and that report did go out and it went out to employers, um, with the hope and the understanding that they would learn from that. And they would be able to evaluate those results so that they could better prepare their company um, and their workforce for, for the evolving change that's taking place at this time. Yeah, I think you are really right because I've even seen posts like, and I think it's pretty sad, but something as little as I'll see one of the females 
that is working at a manufacturing company and they post a picture of a bathroom and it's like that they converted it so like it's a woman women's only bathroom and it's like actually like pretty clean and like they're like i'm so excited they made me my own bathroom <laughs> like it's just something a little like that to take into consideration that hey women are gonna have to go to the bathroom <laughs> right Right. And, and, I, and I think if you look at the Navy and when they originally converted over, you know, they there was outfitting of ships and different things that they had to do um, to equip the ship so that they could house females on it while they went out to sea. Right. So yeah. it, it's it's not a, a a bad cross on companies that haven't been prepared for it. Um, they just haven't seen that flow. And now that flow is coming. Um, and maybe some of them just aren't reacting um, as fast as the growth of the women in the welding industry is growing. Well, I appreciate you going down that discussion with me, like about the women, because it really just, I don't know, something spoke to me that we should probably address that. And I, I like that you guys are all inclusive of females too, because like I said, in those groups, I can share this um, flyer that we're going to talk about in a second about the um, program like you guys accepting applicants and stuff like that I'll definitely share it in the women welders groups and I think that they will all be excited to hear that so Brian shared with me a flyer that I'm going to post we're going to have a blog next week that'll have all this information but it says that um, Newport News shipbuilding is now accepting applications and it is at Danville Community College. It said that classes start November 1st of 2021. And I will be posting the link. It says to apply by October 1st, 2021 at buildyourcareer.com. So I will share this information with you guys. And now um, Dale has some questions for you, Brian. All right. Awesome, awesome, my turn, huh? Um, some things that I'd like to hit on, you know, a little bit about the apprentice school and, and obviously a little bit about women in the industry is, um, you know, Newport News shipbuilding and the apprentice school as a whole, you know, I'm a teacher, so I'm looking at it from uh, the point of view of placing students in a job after um, graduating from, from school. And Newport News shipbuilding is by far the most accepting to females in the industry and then also the most accepting to really entry-level welders, especially based out of my local industry. And it's not just my local industry, my local area that they pull from. They, pull, they would pull from across the country if they had that appeal. And they actually do for their apprentice school, you know, for recruiting, for sports and stuff like that. Um, they do travel down to Louisiana, Florida, even all the way over to California. They've recruited people from Hawaii as well. Um, so with that said, um, Brian, I'd like to know, you know, a little bit about the, a little bit more about the apprentice school, um, as far as like, what things can you do in the apprentice school? Is it just welding? No, so, so apprentice school and non-apprentice school, we offer obviously trades outside of just welding. Um, as as okay. mentioned earlier, kind of my peripheral of the shipyard is both the welders and the fitters right now. Um, so ship fitting, fitting is another large trade within the shipyard. Um, so for anybody that's not familiar with ship fitting, I would kind of suggest that to be the closest thing to welding that's not welding. Um, so typically a ship fitter is daily job assignment is to make up two pieces of structure um, so that when the welder comes, it's, it's fit. 
Um, it's, it's clean. The, the joint prep is there. Um, and, and even the weld symbol so that the welder can proceed to produce the weld. Um, so, so you got, you got ship fitters. Um, we've got inside and outside machinists. We've got pipe fitters. Um, we've got painters, insulators. We've got, of course, you've got to have staging. You've got to have crane operators. So we have that rigging department. Um, and then in addition to that, we've got sheet metal workers um, and then electricians as well. Wow, that's a good bit. I, um, I kind of set you up for that question because I have the brochure sitting here in front of me. Um, just for anybody <laughs> You've been studying? Yeah, oh yeah, of course. You know, I got to know all this stuff. Um, so the apprentice school offers 19 initial programs of study. So that would be when you're applying for the apprenticeship, um, you have the opportunity to apply for one of these 19 programs of study. And actually, during the application process, they make you pick three. They make you pick a, a top choice, second, and a third choice. Um, and then as far as that, I also wanted to hit on the advanced programs that you guys have, Brian, in the apprentice school. And how do you end up getting in an advanced program? Like, for instance, you said you went from becoming a welder to a foreman? Yes, sir. Yep. So how, so how do you make that transition? Is it through the advanced programs or is it just from doing good welds and doing good work and showing up on top? Yeah, so I actually didn't take advantage of the advanced program. Um, however, the advanced program is, is offered after being in the shipyard for two years. Um, so what the advanced program is, is you can either stay with your trade um, or you can go into a different direction. And there's a couple different options. And I'm not, I'm not very versed in those options of what they are right now. Um, cause they're, they're, they're always changing and, and evolving as the need in our business changes. Um, but one example right. is, is, is to go and be a designer. Um, so at that point you can transition from being in the trades to going and designing. Um, so for our aircraft carriers, we're, we're the, actually the sole builder and sole designer for our aircraft carrier. So, um, you think of the scale of, of an aircraft carrier and how large it is. Um, that takes a lot of designers to design all the ins and outs of, of that ship and be, and be um, good drawings and, and blueprints for the, the deck plate tradesmen um, when they go to build it. Um, so that's that's evaluated at the two-year mark. Well, obviously, it's looked at, as you said, you know, are you, are you a hard worker? Um, are your grades where they need to be at? Um, and are you showing that advancement? Um, how, however, to your question, um, is, is that needed, right? Is that needed to go to the next level? And, and I, I can attest to, no, it's not. Um, right. I, I, w I wasn't in a personal setting where I wanted to go advance at that point in my life. Um, I thought um, personally I had enough on my plate, just, just going the regular route as an apprentice. Um, so, for, so for me, I went, I went the regular route. Um, I didn't go advance. Um, I did all four of my years as a welder um, before proceeding into um, that foreman role. Now, my fourth year of the apprenticeship, I did receive um, a great deal of opportunity um, to act in a leadership role. Um, so often my supervisor would be, would be out or would have training, whatever that may look like. Um, and and right. during that time, I was afforded the opportunity to step in um, and lead our crew at that time and, and, and show my leadership trait and obviously be able to hone in on those skills. 
Um, so come time to the end of my graduation, um, that opportunity to step into that permanent role um, was afforded to me at that time. Right. That's uh, that's pretty interesting for sure, especially looking at where you've uh, where you've been and what you've done um, without going that advanced role. You know that kind of attests to the opportunities that are available in the shipyard and how how bad they need people in those positions that are actually going to do a, a substantial job at that particular position. Um, and they recognize the opportunity outside of that program. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I think, I think not to cut you off. I, th I think one of the good yeah, things um, about our industry is um, it's still a very blue collar industry. Um, so the old fashioned, you know, get in there, work hard, um, be a team player, be aggressive, um, listen, sh share your thoughts. That that whole mindset is is very much how you open up opportunities in this industry. Um, and I say industry um, because I speak welding as a whole, not just at Newport New Shipbuilding, but in the industry as a whole, um, it speaks volume. Um, so the the younger generation, you know, being afforded the opportunity to step into this industry. Um, and, and to learn and develop these skills, um, it's definitely still an industry that you get out what you put in. Um, and, and I think for me, that spoke volume, and that's what continued to drive and encourage me um, down the path that I did today, um, knowing that my hard work would pay off and that I would be duly noted of what I did and um, advancements would come through that. Right, right. Right. If you had to give a, um, we'll just say an entry level welder, because I'm sure an entry level welder and an apprentice are, are one and the same when it comes to advice. If you had to give them any bit of advice that you know now, what bit of advice would you give them? You know, we're talking about day one, day one on the job. If you had the opportunity to say, you know, hey, if you do these one or these two things, you're, you're going to be successful. What, what would they be? I know it's hard to nail that down to one or two things, but. I mean, yeah, it really isn't for me. So, so when I think about welders and again, it doesn't matter what, what company you're working for, um, that those first, it could be weeks, it could be months of employment is, is going to be getting your weld qualifications, right? I mean, every company pretty much yeah. holds their own weld qualifications. Um, even if you got something that you took in a, in a class like your own 99% of yeah. the time, you're going to, you're going to show up to the workforce the job and, and you're going to weld test um every minute you're in that booth you're taking a weld test you're practicing to take that weld test you're not you're not earning the company any money right you're you're solely on their overhead spending um and and so the value of you in that weld school um getting really a, not only a free education but you're getting free qualifications at that point is right. is vital to the company um so every minute you spend in there you should be there on time. You should be working hard and you should be listening when you're given that given guidance from those instructors. Um, so, so that, I mean, that stands out so heavily those first weeks, months, I mean, they, they are going to be um, the focal point of your career and, and where you go from there and possibly how many qualifications you get while you're in that weld school. Um, I, I'll tell you, you know, anybody can sit in this, this role um, and, and talk about their business. And, and they're probably going to tell you that if, if you're not actively engaged in that weld school, then it's going to limit how much time you spend in there. 
or if they even keep you um, to go and perform in that job. Right. Right. That's all. That's very valuable information. You know, a lot of people don't think about it. They think about they just got the job. You know, they get in weld school a week or two later. They start to goof off, maybe even start to miss time. Like a lot of times you just want to say, bro, you're still you're you're still new. You know, you're still being evaluated. What you do here affects everything. It affects where you go. It it could affect you four or five years down the road, you know, for leadership opportunities and stuff like that. And a lot of, a lot of newer, newer people to the industry don't necessarily think about that. Um, I want to back up a little bit and tell us a little bit about how, you know, how you got involved with the apprentice school. We talked about it, but I want to know in, in school, did somebody come and come and talk to you? Is it something in your area that you always knew about? Is, did you have friends there? How, how do you even know about this opportunity? Yeah, so I was, I was very fortunate. Um, the, the Votech school that I went to um, had quite a few employers come and visit us. Um, and, of course, the apprentice school was one of them. Um, and, and there was other employees. There were probably five or six employees that showed up and talked to us. Um, I, I did uh, apply um, an interview at another job. And um, the, I'll be honest with you, the pay was a little bit better. Um, the pay was a little bit better when what, what the shipyard was going to start me out of that. Um, they didn't they didn't show me where I would be at in four years or anything like that, like the shipyard was doing. But the initial pay was was more. Um, however, for me, I, I saw I saw the opportunity in the apprentice school to develop me. Um, and, and what my mindset was, and it wasn't, you know, not everybody's, but for me personally was, you know, how I was going to become this boy in, in, in high school and become the, the man, you know, that I needed to become to, to pay my bills, take care of myself right. and, and provide for myself, um, going forward. So right. for me, um, and my mother helped me, you know, understand and, and evaluate that a little bit better. Um, but for me, those, those opportunities is what sold me to go to the apprentice school. Um, even though there was other opportunities out there that um, paid a little bit more starting off, it was it was that long-term goal for me um, and understanding what development I wanted to have in my future. Right, 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 right. That's really, really valuable. You know, I can't, I can't express that. And the fact that they came out and they visited your school, you know, and actually talked to you in your, we'll call it your hometown, you know, in a classroom that you're comfortable with and not just like on, over a video call or a Zoom meeting, like things may be happening now throughout the country. Um, that's pretty cool. So where did you go? What What is your work experience after the apprentice school? I feel like this whole conversation, we focused on the apprentice school, but I want to know. Yes you know, where you started and where you are now. We talked about where you're at now, but what were the steps to get there? Yeah, so for me, um, obviously, I went to the apprentice school, um, did my four years there. Um, preceding graduation, I made supervisor. Um, so supervising for me was on the Ford. So it was the first of the Ford class aircraft carriers. Um, and I was in charge of frame 96 forward um, with a crew of about 15, 16 welders. Um, wow. for me, a lot of those welders were straight out of weld school. Um, so no real, uh, how old was I? Um, 22. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yep. 22. So four years out of, of high school. Yep. So I was 22 right. years old. Um, 
most of most of my welders were right out of right out of weld school um had no real deck plate experience um so I, i'll tell you for for me my first easily six months of, of being a, a welding foreman was welding right um you you really didn't catch me much without a welding shield in my hand because i knew the development of my employees would be essential to me um being able to be successful um right. so so i did that for almost two years um and was presented an opportunity actually to leave newport new shipyard and go to a company called steel america um which is a subdivision of kalana shipyard over in norfolk virginia um, so they gave me an opportunity there to be a project manager slash estimator. Um, so I was leading jobs, um, dealing a lot with the customer, but then also bidding and estimating jobs as well. Um, did that for about a year. And that was very rewarding. And I, and I decided to take that opportunity um, just to see something outside of the welding industry. Um, as much as I enjoyed welding, um, it was it was still a lot for me to learn and and develop on. Um, I wanted to see what else was out there and and how other side of the businesses operated. Um, and Steel America afforded me that opportunity to go forward and do that. So I so I did that for about a year, like I said, the project management estimating, um, and then an opportunity th through Steel America came to me to run an offsite site team. Um, where I essentially took a role as an offsite superintendent. Um, so through that, um, had at max about 56 welders um, out in the, in the field, um, led by supervisors. Um, we had some QC people. Um, so we did commercial nuclear work. Um, we did some crane work where we welded up the final pieces of a crane on site. Um, just did some miscellaneous stuff like that. Um, so I led that project for roughly four years. Um, that was interesting, just being offsite. Um, I'll tell you that led me down the path of a lot of growth and opportunity for development. Um, I wasn't afforded at that point my leadership team with me all the time. Um, I didn't have somebody pointing me in the right direction. I didn't, I, I had to grow a team offsite. Um, often following somebody else's rules because, of course, we were on their facility. Right. Um, so, so that was that was a challenge, but it was a very rewarding challenge for me. Um, and and I think that's that's where my I, I don't want to say my career turned because I, I felt like I was going in the right direction, but I, I really evaluated my career at that point, and I and I think a lot of opportunities, thought processes. Um, and engagement with the customer at that point um, really set me up for where I'm at today. Um, so I, I did that for four that. years. Yeah, yeah, you, you were a part of some of that, huh? <laughs> right. Um, and to let everybody know, I mean, obviously, uh, a lot of people listening to this don't know us on a personal basis, but this is uh, where I initially met Brian Treat. He was my boss at one time. We said he was running the job sites, stuff like that. I was under him running a crew of welders. Um, so that's when I got my first experience with Brian. So, and it was definitely a growing opportunity. We talk about the leadership and not having an off, not having somebody there that you can run up to their office and ask a question, you know, that, that was where Brian was, you know, crucial, you know, making the calls and making the right decisions and well thought out decisions at that particular time. 
for whatever whatever it was that came up, whether it was something job related or just maybe a personnel issue. Go ahead and, and just, continue, Brian. Sorry for butting in. No, and just just for everybody's awareness, when uh, when Dale Spilker interviewed with me, he was wearing a tie with the Apprentice School colors on it. Oh my God! So he did his homework. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I <laughs> I did my research on Brian before I interviewed with him. You know, and I knew that he went to the apprentice school, so I wanted to dress accordingly, at least try to get into his head a little bit subliminally. Because, like and this is funny story about this is I had a friend that was working for the company he was working for that was working under Brian as a welder. And um, he told me about this opportunity with uh, Steel America. He said, man, you should, you should really start welding with them. And, and I made a phone call to the I'm not sure what to call him. Um, one of the leaders in the company and I, I called him and I said, you know, Hey, I'm interested in working um, for Steel America. And he asked me the question. He said, well, would you be interested in interviewing for the supervisor position or the welder position? And keep in mind, I was only a welder up to that point. I had held a few interesting positions, but I was still only a welder and uh something in me, welders being cocky, I guess. I said, well, I'm going to interview for the foreman position because in my thinking, you know, if I didn't get the foreman position, they would at least offer me the welding position. So, you know, I did that interview and then when I, I went and interviewed with Brian and they, you know, proceeded with my employment with that company and it was a great opportunity. I mean, I attribute that to where I'm at now 100%. And I interviewed on the weekend too. It was a Saturday. It was a Sunday. Sunday, okay. I knew it was the weekend. It was a Sunday. A weekend yeah, your interview was on a Sunday. I interviewed um, first for the position with the gentleman that I called on a Saturday. Okay, okay. All right, yeah. I have a question for both of you. When you guys yeah. get into these leadership roles, do you guys still weld at some points or do you just do it just because you want to stay up on like your skills and like you want to make sure that like you're not losing it so to speak and whenever you and then the second part to that question is once you are a welder and you get your certs and stuff like that do you have to renew your certs every so often and like what is that process like who wants to go first is it me i'll, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll answer the first part you can answer the second part so okay. for the first part, um, that, does a leader have to weld or are they just doing it for fun? Um, so so my answer to that is, is obviously personal, right? And everybody can have their own opinion um, on that question. However, welding is different than a lot of other trades. Um, if you're an electrician, you can work side by side with an electrician. Um, you guys can hook things up together, um, test cables together, walk through the process and and verbally talk and communicate throughout your shift. Um, as a welder, you're not as keen to those opportunities. Um, typically, you have a respirator on, you have your welding shield down, you have earmuffs on. Um, so the availability to talk to a mate and, and to perform a task with somebody else is, is typically pretty limited. Um, and you rely on your, your supervisor or foreman um, to, to help you develop those skills that you need and, and understand what the weld should look like um, and, and just things to, to look for going forward to produce a high quality weld. Um, so to my answer is 
Um, and, and I'll revert back to when Dale worked for me. I ac- absolutely expected him to go out there and develop his people um, and, and to help them learn and, and so that they could be more successful in their day-to-day tasks. And by doing so, he had to, he had to put his welding shield on and actually perform the weld um, while instructing them. Gotcha. Yep, yep. I did my fair share of welding, but as somebody once told me, <laughs> when the cat's away, the mice will play. So as a supervisor, if you decide to send, if you decide to spend your whole entire day welding, how productive do you think your team is going to be, especially when you're a brand new leader? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got to find that. You got to find that fine line, um, definitely, that you can right. you can develop and exactly. and supervise at the same time. Exactly, exactly, and obviously every single position is different. There are some jobs where the foreman is is welding all the time right there with his people. Um, there's jobs where, you know, the foreman might not even have welding experience. And he's leading a crew of welders. You know, there's, there's various different aspects of this and obviously different industries within the welding industry are, are different in that respect. You might come across one where the leader in that particular shop has never had welding experience at all, probably never even struck, struck an arc. Um, and you might come through places um, where the welder is, I mean, the leader on the job site is the one with the most welding experience. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, it's various different ways in the, in the welding industry. And you asked about certifications and qualifications, right, Jess? Yeah, I wanted to know, like, once you get them, like, in certain professions, if you have certifications, like, you have to renew those. Like, even something is, like, CPR. You know what I mean? You have to renew that, I think, right. every two years. So is it the same thing, like, you know, with anything else? Yeah, it's very similar in the welding industry. It all depends on what, what particular code you're working to. Um, I'll speak to AWS. I feel like that one is pretty widely used. And if you're an entry-level welder, you're probably going to be working to one form of AWS, D11, um, D1.1 in one way or another. Um, So certifications and qualifications, they're actually, it's a misnomer in the welding industry. They're two different things, even though the, the, the breakdown of the particular definition of the two words are very similar, but certifications are generally something that you're going to obtain privately, maybe through certification with a certified welding inspector. A lot of times in a welding um, training center, uh, Votech school, something like that, they're going to offer you that opportunity to get some sort of welding certification. Um, now, a lot of times when you go to industry, you can carry those certifications with you, but in a lot of our industry throughout the country, those certifications are really only a status symbol. They're, they're not something that you're going to have to um, show and your company is going to say, hey, we want a copy of that because we're going to use that exact thing. Like Brian mentioned, everywhere a welder goes, they're going to be tested. Hmm. It's kind of crazy, you know, thinking about that, being a welder, one of the most tested trades there is. Um, But everywhere you're going to apply to and every new job that you're going to start in is most likely going to make you do some sort of welding test, most likely a qualification test to one of their procedures. Really? Um, The reason why they do that is because... Um, a CWI, they, they really don't know, even though there is a standard for CWIs, 
um, that CWI could have been your best friend and issued that issued you that certification. You really only have two months welding experience. So it could be a situation like that. But um, I think that answered your question, did it, Jess? Do you understand it? So if so, say for instance, let's get back to the shipyard. So obviously the shipyard okay. have to pass these qualifications, Brian. So if you have it, is so once you take it and you're certified, you're certified forever. Then you don't have to renew the certifications. You can just keep stacking them on, like keep trying to progress you're and qualify your belt. Yeah, so you're qualified at that point, and then you would have to maintain it. So we maintain um, through our contract as every three months. Um, so if you if you utilize that process, then it will requalify you. Um, you would never have to physically go back down to the weld school. Um, if for some reason you were out of work, um, and I'll use the example for COVID, um, there was a lot of people that just couldn't come to work during that time for personal reasons. Um, so if they were out for an extended amount of time, they would have had to requalify at that point um, if they were out of work for more than three months and didn't use that process before they could go back um, to proceeding. Interesting. Okay. All right. Thanks for sharing. Yep. Yep. And the AWS does something very similar as well. You just, you show proof that you've used that particular certification. We'll say certification this time, um, within the past six months. Okay. Um, back to your questions. Back to my questions. Good Lord. Okay. Um, I don't think we finished, you know, your your work experience. We left off at Steel America, but you're obvious you're not there anymore. Not there no more. No. So I um so I I did about five years at Steel America altogether, um, and just I, I'll be honest with you, and I just I wanted to get back in Newport New Shipbuilding. Um, that was kind of my home. Um, I even though I had left, I still had loyalty to them. Um, just because of the opportunity they had given me, um, the development through the apprentice school, just just all of that. Um, that that was just home to me, and that was where I felt most comfortable at. Um, so I, I I went back. Um, so I've been back now for it's been almost four years now, I guess. Um, so been back for that amount of time. Um, this is the second role I've held since I've been back. Um, the first role was um, at a subdivision of the shipyard. So we finished up a commercial nuclear job um, that we had previously worked with Steel America. Um, and then we rolled into doing um, support for the actual Newport News shipbuilding with um, aircraft carrier and submarine um, assembly manufacturing parts. Um, and then through there, I, I rolled into the position that I'm in now um, and what we call the trades business office. So a big part of the trades business office is is kind of doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. Um, very, my, my team would say we're very underappreciated just because of the work we do behind the scenes and, and never really never really sought after or seen. Um, but it's, it's obviously being done. Um, so so we parties, man. What's that? You better get them some pizza parties. Underappreciated. <laughs> yeah. Not, on, not during COVID. We we got to wait for COVID to get past. <laughs> so, so and when I say underappreciated, it's just it's a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, right? That that's right, just not right, being right. seen on the deck plate. Um, exactly. But yeah, but one of the things um that we do is is we focus heavily on the manning. 
Um, so what that Manning signal is like, um, as I spoke earlier, shipbuilding has, um, Newport News Shipbuilding has a lot of different programs. Um, within those programs, um, each program has a different Manning signal um, specific to a trade. Um, so my team looks at how we are going to support that Manning signal um, and what resources we will move um, to utilize the right skill sets and critical skills um, to match the work that needs to be done. Um, through Manning, one of the things we do is we do a lot of outreach, um, obviously things like this. Uh, my team recently went out and um, visited Dale Spilker School, um, talked to some of his students. Um, so similar to what I talked about of how I got into the shipyard um, with a, a shipyard representative coming and speaking to me, I'm trying to um, evolve that into my team, um, get them out into the into the classroom and do that face-to-face -face and, and grow that relationship um, with these um, up-and-coming students and, and share our opportunities with them. Um, in addition to that, um, overseeing all the training for the welders, um, making sure that that's up to date. Um, and then the, the quality side of things is, is obviously making sure that the product that we're putting out the door is, is high quality. So looking at it from a weld aspect of, um, are we following our procedures? Um, not, not just does the weld look good, right? But um, is the right metal being used? Um, is the right process being used? Amps, bolts, um, things of that nature. And then in addition to that, um, I also oversee all of hot work and fires across the shipyard. Um, so working closely with the Navy um, and cascading information to them about how we are continuing to um, mitigate and, and observe and um, investigate uh, near misses and fires that we may have in the shipyard. Um, to prevent that. Um, obviously, what, what we do as welders, shipbuilders, um, just hot work in general um, is very risk heavy um, to causing a fire. So, so that's a big part of, of our duties as well is to make sure that the ships that we're going to eventually provide to our sailors um, and with our trades craftsmen on them, um, that they're safe and that we don't have risk of them burning down. Man. So how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? Ooh, so I turned 33 in March, and you know you're getting old when you got to think about how old you are. Yeah, really. I, I, I feel like I've been telling people um, my wrong age for a whole year or so. <laughs> but, hey, we'll see. COVID kind of messed that all up. So you, I mean, we're talking, you've been in the industry for 14, 14 years now, would you say? Yeah, yep. You know I'm horrible on math. So if that's not correct, don't hold me to it. But that's pretty impressive to make it from, you know, the apprentice level to, you know, the guy in charge, especially of a certain aspect of the yard. That's for sure. That's that's definitely pretty substantial. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, and I really think cool. that, you know, that that piggybacks off of the statement I made earlier um, about this still being a workforce of um, you get in what you put out. Right. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't know anybody going to the shipyard. You know, I didn't, you know, people talk about, you know, having someone's coattail to ride on when they get into a career or, or anything like that. Right. Um, I, 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 unfortunately, I didn't have those opportunities. Um, so it just kind of attributed to, to working hard. And, and um, obviously some of that is luck being in the right place at the right time. Um, but then a big part of having good leaders around me, um, good mentors and listening to them. 
um, and utilizing the advice that they gave me um, to move forward and, and how I operate from a day to day. Right. Right. That's, that's substantial. Um, so get on, get on, getting to you a little bit personal. Um, what kind of stuff do you like to do outside of work? What are you into? So I, Hobbies? I'm do you in, weld outside of work? What do you do? I don't do a whole lot of welding. Um, I, I, I try not to. If, I, if I'm welding Thankfully. something, that means something broke. So that's never a good thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do, uh, I've got a Corvette that I race. Um, I do a lot of more daily driver class um, drag racing with it. So that's that's kind of a hobby of mine right now that I've been I've been fiddling around with for the last couple of years. Um and then I'm I'm big oh. in the the health and fitness, just staying in the shape, working out, um letting off some steam in the gym is is fun to me. That's pretty cool. Well, I'm I'm really glad to hear that you're still racing a little bit because you know, you need some practice. All them times I, do need... I, I beat you on the go-kart track, man. <laughs> I do, always need practice. Always got to get better, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, I think that's, that's all I really have as far as questions go. Just, what about you, Jeff? Do you have anything else for Brian? Or Brian, do you have anything you want to cover? If you're waiting on me, I think that we covered plenty about the apprenticeship program. I'm really excited that you came on because I think that it's something that we should definitely showcase since you guys do take a lot of students and you hire a lot. One thing we probably could touch on is like, how many people do you generally accept into the program at a time? So say for instance, right now we're taking applications to start in November and it says apply by October, how many people do you think they'll accept at that point? And then do you have an idea about how many openings you have for welders, like that already are welders? Yeah, so the the welding class for the Danville um, that we mentioned earlier, and you're gonna post the flyer, um, that is accepting roughly 10 to 20, um, and we're making a visit there this week, so we're, we're gonna firm in on that date um, but this is, you know, the November 1st is just the first class. Um, we continue to continue this progress. So um, that's when the first class is going to start. So even if you didn't get accepted for the first one, there's opportunities for one after that. Um, in addition to that, um, not to be misled because of the free welder training, you actually don't need any training to apply for our entry-level welder requisition that's currently posted on our website right now. Um, and and we we are in a high demand to hire right now. Um, I actually have a demand out to talent acquisition to hire 40 a month, and that'll raise the 50 a month towards the end of the year. Um, so we're looking at an increase of over 600 welders by the end of 2022. That's huge because so many people, like unlike um, most other industries, we won't go there that aren't willing to work, there are a lot of welders looking for work. And, you know, they're always looking for jobs that are going to pay more ways to advance their career, try different things out. So um, I'm excited to share this with everybody. Like I said, there'll be a blog with all this information coming out next Wednesday. And um, that's all I have. If you don't have anything else that you wanted to add, Brian. No, I don't. Um, again, I just, I want to appreciate 
yours and Dale's time for bringing me on today. Um, definitely uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about myself, my career, um, share with the youth um, and, and even the not youth kind of what my path looked like. Um, and then also the opportunities that Newport News Shipbuilding has to offer um, within the industry. So I appreciate everybody's time. Um, if you're still listening to this podcast, I appreciate you. Um, putting up with us and, and listening to us, and, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yep. Dale, you have anything else you want to awesome. say? Last. Yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to reach out out to you directly, Brian, how how do they get a hold of you? I don't know if I'd give out your business email, but do you have a way that people can get in touch with you? Maybe Instagram, Facebook, something like that. Yeah, I, I think we could post something on, on the blog that you're gonna you're gonna put up, Jessica. We could post something there, and then people can reach out, right? That'll okay. work. Though. Awesome. Yep. We'll Sounds good. That. Sounds okay. good. Thank you, everyone. Stay tuned for our next episode next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank <laughs> you.